1: Today is Sunday, September 9th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 279 featuring Metro West Daily News and Providence Journal C's beat writer Scott Souza is brought to you by Casper. Go to casper.com slash Celtics and use the promo code CELTICS to get $50 off select mattresses. Terms and conditions apply. The show also brought to you by Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Every neighborhood has a heartbeat, a place that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core. In Boston's historic North End, that place is Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Boston Barber and Tattoo Company has become home to A-list Boston celebrities like Gordon Hayward, Milan Lucic, Brad Marchand, and Aaron Baines. Boston Barber and Tattoo is more than just Boston's most well-known corner barber shop. It's also a tourist attraction for the hundreds of thousands of people that visit the North End throughout the year. What's up? Welcome in. Kaufman here with you and excited. Another week, which means another show, another week closer to training camp it's coming up it's just a few weeks away not even quite that rapidly approaching and then you'll have preseason games all of it so i want to tell you let's just get the formal stuff out of the way subscribe to celtics beat on itunes you can do so just search celtics find celtics beat subscribe all of that pay attention to the links when i tweet them out at adam m kaufman you can subscribe to the clns youtube page it is all over there as well you can get us pretty much everywhere and we appreciate you leaving ratings five stars always very generous of you one line comment just let us know how you enjoy the show, whatever it is. Somebody provided some feedback at the last show that they loved the show, but there's too much cursing. I think they were probably listening to a different show, because we do not curse. I might have said hell or crap. If that counts, I do apologize to that listener. But beyond that, tend to watch our mouths around here. Another guy who often watches his mouth, he I don't think he's ever said a swear, at least not that anyone has ever heard in, in you know, around a camera, is head coach Brad Stevens, who we finally heard from this past week, just a few days ago, at the ABCD Hoop Dreams event last week at the garden and he is someone that he knows the hype he knows the expectations and all of that being said he's ready to go I think we're all eager to get started I think that obviously it's a long year
2: um, but it it happens quick you know for the standpoint of we start first practice is Tuesday the 25th and we're playing an exhibition game three days later which is a little bit insane but um, you know we open our regular season three weeks later so uh, it'll be a great opportunity to, to, to start afresh with a brand new team, although we have a lot of guys back, and see if we can be the best version of ourselves.
1: Brad spoke for about 10 minutes or so as did Doc Rivers who is at the event every single year has been the handful of years that he's been gone and uh, both of them spoke extensively about a variety of things some of which we'll touch on during this show but other things that we did not you can certainly check out on the CLNS YouTube page the full interviews are there great quality give them a listen because CLNS we're everywhere we're always covering stuff and another of the things that Stevens talked about and we've all spent a lot of time talking about it is the fact that there are such high expectations for this team but you know what Brad surprise not running away from that
2: one of the things about all 30 teams at the start of the season is everybody's you know looking at their upside and looking at the best possible scenarios right and I think everybody feels great about where they are and who they are because nobody's played a game yet nobody's lost a game yet so we just need to be the best version of ourselves we can't skip steps we can't talk about being a favorite we can't talk about being in the mix we can't talk about being a playoff team yeah. we have to go back and earn all that with our work all the way through But one thing that I will say is you'd rather be in the position of having expectations and having everybody back because that means the guys in the locker room are the ones that earned them and I think having earned expectations is a positive thing
1: I like to be in this position to talk about those expectations and everything else with knowledgeable Celtics people. That's what you come here for, right? So, let's bring in Scott Souza, covers the Celtics for the Metro West Daily News and Providence Journal as well. He's been on the beat since 2005, so a man who has seen the good and the bad of the Danny Ainge era. And that is, across the board, probably very, very true. Scott, how are you? Pretty good. Nice to uh, be talking to you again, Adam. Yeah, it's been a little while, so I'm, I'm thrilled you're on the show here, and we've got a lot to get into, especially as you know we wrap up toward the season. I mean, really, you know, I think most assume we're starting to hit a good stride because Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, Daniel Tice, everybody who was already healthy last year appears ready to go for the start of training camp this month. First practice we heard from Brad Stevens earlier. It's Tuesday the 25th, so it's approaching here. But I'm going to do something that uh, another Adam in town would typically do, and you talk to him all the time as well. A negative question to start, just because I think it's worth acknowledging. Of
0: course, this wouldn't be be Boston... uh, Boston. Sports Radio, or Boston podcast, without starting off with a negative question about an NBA Finals contender or a World Series favorite or a Super Bowl, a team coming off two Super Bowls, so let, let, let's go there.
1: No, I'm, I'm glad that you prefaced it that way, though, because, if, you know, for anyone that does listen to the show, I'll just say quickly on, on a weekly basis, you know that it's all positivity, really, because there's so little to complain about with this team, which is why I want to begin with a negative question. I want to know if there's anything in your mind that could trip up this team aside from injuries.
0: Uh, well, it, it's interesting because uh, I, I imagine from the lead in there, you probably played a clip of, um, you know, talking to Brad Stevens. He was at the at TD Garden on Tuesday uh, of this week for his annual um, deal with the ABCD Boston, which is uh, an organization, great organization in Boston that raises money for underprivileged uh, families in the city. And Doc Rivers comes back for it every year. And, and Brad Stevens does it. It's usually the uh, Tuesday after Labor Day. And I kind of asked him that. I said, one of the only questions coming into this season is you had guys last year that were in the spotlight. You guys you had guys like Terry Rogier and Jalen Brown and, and Marcus Smart and a number of other players, Marcus Morris, who were star players in Eastern Conference Finals games and semifinal games and won playoff series and got to game seven of of the Eastern Conference Finals. You could argue they should have won game seven and they should have been in the NBA Finals. Obviously that didn't happen. But now you're going to be asking guys to play different roles and, you know, asking about the idea of sacrifice and, and buy-in and whether that was his biggest challenge this year. And he was he was obviously in a good mood. He's very You can tell he is very upbeat about going into the season. I don't think as you know, well he Usually he's kind of – Yeah, usually he's a little reserved, and he even, you know, he threw out one thing at the end about Toronto as the team to beat the East. They were the number one team last year, and Cleveland just happened to get him. Yeah, he has to thing. say you, that. Yeah, but you can tell that he, <laughs> he knows that – he is uh, in by far the best position that he's ever been in as an NBA coach coming into this training camp. But he did say that, you know, everybody knows there's only 240 minutes in a game. And he said, you know, there's going to be a little, you know, when you take guys out of the game, there's going to be a little natural reaction that guys don't want to be taken out of the game. But on the in the bigger picture... He said something interesting. He said, we're no longer in a position where we're proving ourselves. We have to work with our depth and work towards, and again, I'm paraphrasing here, but kind of work towards the greater goal. You know, you're not Terry Rogier trying to prove that you're an NBA player. You're not Marcus Smart trying to prove that you deserve a contract. You're not Jalen Brown trying to prove that you were worthy of the number three pick. You're not Jason Tatum trying to prove that you were the best rookie in your class. We've already established that all these players are as good as we hoped they would be, uh, the collective we, I mean. Now we're in a position of, of kind of blending all these talents and try to win as much as we can. He didn't say championship, but I think that's kind of implied, to get to the NBA Finals, to contend against Golden State or whoever you uh, encounter there. And, you know, he said if if we struggle with that, then we're going to have a hard time this year. But if we don't, we're going to be pretty good. And I think that's his acknowledgement of, you know, this is – the ultimate transition jump year for this team that, you know, no longer the little engine that could obviously last year, the injuries came into a big play and and they went on a in retrospect was ridiculous playoff run considering they didn't have Kyrie Irving and and Gordon Haywood. Now they're in a position where you have all the pieces, you have all the depth, you have all the advantages to be able to be one of probably the two best teams in the NBA, but it's going to be how you handle it that determines whether you fulfill your potential.
1: Yeah, and that's something that I've spent the last, I don't know how many shows talking about, at least in part, is the fact that you do have these guys, as you mentioned, Rozier, Morris, and others, and not even so much including the, the Browns and Tatums, who could very well at some point come off the bench, depending on matchups or whatever it may be on a given night more likely Brown than Tatum. But I'm not so much worried about them. They're under contract. They kind of know their footing with this team. Guys like Rozier and Morris, though, are obviously fighting for new deals. They're going to be free agents next year, and Rozier's case are restricted. And these guys, probably at least in their minds, I'm sure they'll say and do the right things. I'm not worried about them to a man. But in their minds, they're going to be disappointed. How could they not be? Because it's entirely possible, even likely, if Kyrie Irving is healthy all throughout the year and does what. But Kyrie has always done when he's been on a basketball court. Terry Rozier's role, especially with Marcus Smart back, is going to be severely reduced, if not in terms of when he comes off the bench, definitely in terms of the number of minutes he plays and he won't be starting and all of that, where he's, it has his financial future to a certain degree is at stake based on how Brad decides to use him. And you would think he's human. It's human nature. That could be a little bit frustrating for him.
0: Yeah, and, you know, to Terry's credit, you know, the day after the um, the loss in Game 7, you know, he was clearly distraught the day after. He had the 0-for-10 from three-pointers, three-point land, which everybody knows about. He didn't have a great shooting game. Some of those shots came late when the game was getting out of hand. Yet still, you know, he acknowledged that that was not the ending that he wanted. He wanted to be the guy who helped beat his his hometown team. He clearly, you know, he clearly likes the spotlight. I mean, he built a scary Terry brand. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm Like, I always thought that that was kind of an inside Celtics thing, but I see... People all over the place wearing scary terry t-shirts i actually even heard this kind of a kind of an inside media thing and i won't say what station it was on but i remember in the spring during the playoff run there was actually uh, a newscast and one of the news one of the anchors was reading the sports it wasn't a sports person and you know she was going through the game highlights and and she said and i let something go by saying she i didn't mean to, to be angry that's, there but that's still, okay. it was a she and you know she was talking about, you know, the basket inside the Tatum, inside to Morris, and then she said, and then Scary Terry hit a three, and I was like, wow, it's, like, it, it's gotten so much into the common parlance that even a news anchor is calling him Scary Terry on first reference, and I see these t-shirts everywhere, so he's been able to build a little bit of a brand, but to his credit, he said that very next day when we met in Waltham, back when the practice facility was still in Waltham, uh, that next day, that um, you know, this is Kyrie. Ir- Kyrie Irving is the starting point guard. He's going to help Kyrie Irving, you know, any way he can next year. He, he's going to be willing to push him in practice, like he always hopes to do. But you know, this is Kyrie's team, and and they've been very, they were very close last year. Um, you know, I think Terry had a, a decent relationship with Isaiah, but uh, it was clear from the very beginning that Terry felt with Kyrie, I think, a little bit more of a kindred spirit. He mm. was, he wasn't as much of a you know, complimentary part or a backup to this main star. And, and, and Terry will always point to the fact that, you know, for all, and this is going back to an old thing, but for all the talk about how Isaiah had to be the focal point of everything, you know, Terry will mention the fact that Isaiah passed him the ball in game seven against the Washington wizards with that game, basically on the line in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. And he hit, you know, he was able to hit the shot because Isaiah trusted him passing the ball. So going back to that, but, but clearly coming into last year, uh, uh, Terry felt very good around uh, Kyrie. He was constantly mentioning about how um, Kyrie Irving stayed in touch with him during the whole injury situation late in the year. And that was something that if you remember, there were reports Kyrie Irving did not do when he was in Cleveland, uh, when he was injured, right. he kind of disappeared from the team mm-hmm. a little bit, but that was not the case in Boston. Uh, the nose surgery at the end was standing, but going back to Rogier, just talking about, um, you know, this was Kyrie Irving's team and that he understood that uh, Brad Stevens, On Tuesday, interesting, he was asked a Terry Rozier question. And, uh, you know, and and the coach will do this, but went out of his way, you know, to talk about how uh, Terry was at the practice facility earlier in the day, how he was smiling. And he added something at the end, and I put this on Twitter, but he he added in the end, you know, everybody everywhere now knows that Terry can really play. So I think the coach is already kind of setting the stage to say whether he's out there for 28 minutes or 18 minutes or 14 minutes, that doesn't diminish Terry Rogier as a player. He's just, you know, being willing to buy into the whole situation. So I think in a lot of ways, um, Terry has set the stage that for at least one year anyways, this is definitely not going to be a problem with him. The coach has set the situa- has set the stage to say, okay, just because I'm not playing this guy 25, 30 minutes a night, doesn't mean that I think any less of him as a player because we saw what he did in last year's playoffs.
1: Going back to what you said, though, about the Scary Terry brand, and yes, it's a brand, and and helped by Drew Bledsoe, and everyone's got the sure it's hell. I I have a shirt. Like I, I like the Scary Terry thing. Can we I agree? I'm get...
0: Dick Sporting Goods. I like, like, I thought there was like an internet thing. You had this, like, you <laughs> had to like know a password on the well, website. and I mean, pulled them out of their trunk on the side of the road in Somerville or something like that. I had no idea that these were like mass produced. Well, you get I,
1: Barstool I was, like, involved too. Wow, Those things are going to be know, everywhere.
0: Like scary Terry shirts.
1: Yeah, no, they're everywhere. But can we agree that it's great that that's a thing? And it's, it's a cool nickname and all of that. The daddy's always happy thing that Gordon Hayward is trying to push right now. <laughs> after
0: after, after it's a little less intimidating than the scream mask on the number 12 shirt. Daddy's always happy. A little. I, I little.
1: don't even I don't even care about intimidation. It's just like to, when he was doing, I think he was on Twitch playing a video game one night, something like that, and says, you know, it'd be really great is if all you guys out of the garden one night started a daddy's always happy chant. How would that ever happen? Ever, ever, ever organically. There's almost no context. Where that would even make sense? Look, I love Gordon Hayward. I am all in on Hayward. I might be a bigger Hayward supporter than most people in this city. The daddy's always happy thing, and now there are T-shirts and hats. It needs to go away.
0: I think with Gordon, I give, I do give him credit for kind of embracing it a little bit. You know, some of the things with Gordon. Not to go too far into this, but obviously his wife, Robin. I've never really talked to her, but she's, you know, she's kind of a promotional person on social mm-hmm. media, and I don't think she's doing any, anything, you know that she shouldn't be doing and that she's not just doing because she's happy to be Gordon Hayward's wife. But I mean, a lot of this stuff that kind of comes out with him where people like, you know, okay, enough already Gordon about the family, you know, that stuff that she promotes. And I do remember going back to, um, the press conference, if you remember the press conference last year, a year ago this week, when, when Kyrie Irving was coming in for the press conference, and we all knew that Gordon Hayward was coming in for that press conference, but it right. was embargoed. We weren't supposed to say anything. But it was Robin who put on, I think it was her Instagram account at the time, who was kind of like, you know, getting ready to board the kids for a six hour flight from San Diego, you know, kind of one of those, it's like, <laughs> well, you know, she's kind of letting the cat out of the bag there. What's six hours away from San Diego that she might be going to tomorrow? So I think that was one of those things that, uh, they put out there i'll say as a family and then you know rather than run away from it or be embarrassed about it he's tried to own it a little bit um i don't i think some ways you know the the comparisons between him and brad stevens i think really run deep in terms of being small town guys from the midwest uh weren't necessarily um born with stardom ahead of them they were not kyrie irving they were not you know even jalen brown being told you're the best basketball player in Georgia or or Jason Tatum or, or all these other guys who are basically told that you're going to be an NBA star from an early age, Gordon Hayward was a tennis player. And I think he's one of those guys who is still throughout his career kind of eases his way in and out of being, an nba superstar and i think when he you know a situation like that comes up he might be a little bit awkward and I, I give him credit for for owning it not kind of bristling if anybody were to ever bring it up you know okay that was a family video why you bring up a family video don't look at my wife's instagram account you know he, he knew it was out there he knew everybody was making a big deal of it and uh and now he's trying to embrace it a little bit and it, it, it's cute I, again i don't think that uh daddy's always happy is going to make joel Embiid or lebron james quiver in his sneakers but uh you know maybe if it does come up i didn't think again i didn't think there was ever going to be something called a scary terry chant (laughs) during um
1: that's fair during an
0: nba playoff game but there were audible scary terry chants during the playoffs last year so maybe daddy's always happy can can come about in some way in some form that it's useful
1: during the season We'll get right back to Scott. want to tell you today's episode of Celtics Beat is brought to you by Casper. Casper's a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best sleep one night at a time. You spend one third of your life sleeping. Why be uncomfortable? Casper products are designed with you in mind. Everything they make supports any type of body. Not sure what mattress is right for you? Start with the original Casper. With over 20,000 reviews, it's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. The Casper is equipped with multiple supportive memory foams, and it regulates your body temperature throughout the night. And Casper sells more than mattresses. They also sell sheets and pillows to ensure a better overall sleep experience. And they do it all at affordable prices because they sell directly to you, and you can be sure you're purchased with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep on it trial. You don't like it? No sweat. Free shipping and returns to customers in the U.S. and Canada. What are you waiting for? Get $50 off select mattresses by going to casper.com slash Celtics using the promo code Celtics at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Let's get back to Scott. Well, as you said, that uh, introductory press conference with both Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward a year ago this week, and so let's talk about those guys for a second. Someone asked me this yesterday. I thought it was an interesting question. If those two are completely healthy this year, and I know they probably won't become the start of the year, so they'll be entering with with some sort of, they're not 100% because they're coming off of season-ending injuries, that's fine. But suppose there are no new injuries, no setbacks, they just grow from where they are all the way over the course of the season. How many games should they play? and what kind of minutes in order to ensure they're at their max potential in the playoffs, because we know Brad's not going to overuse them.
0: Yeah, and he made that clear on, again, going back to Tuesday, because, uh, you know, I was there, and that was the precious Brad Stevens quotes. Uh, Brad doesn't really – it was kind of interesting, again, as a side, like, Last year was so busy, there was like a Celtics story every two days. Like It seemed like every time at like 9 o'clock at night I was ready to just sit down, watch some TV, crack a beer, and there was something new that had to be <laughs> attended to right away with the Celtics. This summer was the exact opposite. It was the quietest summer. It was wonderful. I went to a 4th of July cookout for the first time in like six years. How about that? Outstanding. But we haven't heard from a lot of these guys, so I'm going to draw a lot on what Brad said on Tuesday just because, again, that's the first time we've heard from him uh, in a media setting in a while outside of a couple of uh, one-on-one interviews. But, you know, he said all these guys know that, you know, we're not going to be playing any of these guys 45 minutes a night, and obviously 45 was a little hyperbole. I would be surprised if a lot of these guys played more than 32, 35 minutes a night. Um, You know, there is some thought that – You think it's even
1: that high? Not to cut you off. I mean, if at the end of the season we see Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward come in at 28, 29 minutes per, that wouldn't surprise me at all.
0: I think it will probably be low 30s. I do think there is is a theory out there that you have to play a certain amount of minutes to keep your rhythm going, Um, Hmm. you know – if it's the second night of a back-to-back, you can pull a guy at the end of the quarter. Maybe he only plays in the 20s. Great. But I think there is – you know, in Kyrie's mind, and he even mentioned this a little bit last year. He didn't complain about it, but he did mention a little bit in terms of he acknowledged that his minutes were down and and that that was an adjustment for him. That you know, as a player, used to coming in at certain times, coming out at certain times, uh, building up a rhythm over a certain amount of times, including his you know his fourth quarter spurts that he went on. I think it's weird for a starting player in that position to be playing 25, 27 minutes a night on a regular basis. I think 30 to 32 is more what you would expect for these guys, just to be able to. Kind of keep that internal clock, keep that rhythm. Um, But in terms of days off, in terms of back-to-backs, I think you will see that from time to time because the team will – We'll look to use its depth as much as possible. And, of course, any time that any of them are struggling from anybody, you have such extreme depth this year that, you know, you have that luxury. I mean, I was thinking about um, Daniel Tice the other day, and you almost forget about him as a guy who was out for last year's playoffs, is coming back, but you're looking at a guy who was a major factor down through the middle of the season Mm -hmm. before he got hurt last. And this is a guy who's like the 11th guy in the rotation, maybe the 12th guy in the rotation, depending on how you view – Shimmy So you have that luxury of these players who built up this, uh, incredible experience last year to be able to handle the load during back-to-backs or there aren't that many, there aren't as many, I don't think there are really any four games and five-night situations anymore, but those three games and four-night situation. okay, maybe you, you tell Gordon or Kyrie, we're going to give you this one off on a given night. Or if you're in a situation where you build up uh, a big lead, which this team did not do a lot last year. They didn't have that many, a team that won as many games as they did, they did not have that many blowouts last year, save for that one stretch right after the All-Star break where they look like... They they might be the best team in the NBA. And I think that's what really gets, you know, anybody who watched them that two weeks after the all-star break, when Marcus Smart comes, came back, that even without Gordon, that's the one that kind of sticks to you to, you know, what really would have happened if Kyrie had stayed healthy. Mm. Um, They did a great job given the circumstances, but if he had been there, you might've been really there at the end, even last year without Gordon with this year, with Gordon Hayward, with Kyrie Irving, presumably healthy. I think you're going to be able to, again, as Brad Stevens said on Tuesday, rely on that depth uh, and, and use that depth. Uh, to a great extent, to be able to save these guys and make sure they are as healthy as possible for the playoffs.
1: No way to know. It's just a guess, obviously, and you're thinking about built-in rest time, all of that. You think either of those guys, Irving or Hayward, plays more than 70 games?
0: Um, I would say probably, well, I mean, Gordon's a guy who's played a, a pretty full schedule in the past. I would say I would be surprised if Kyrie plays more, although it is a contract year. That's kind of a tough thing. I, I don't think they'll intend, I, I say the rest thing like, I don't think they're going to give them the you know the the whole for lack of a better term, like the whole, what people look as the Chris Sale, Pedro Martinez yeah. situation where we're just giving you three weeks off in the middle of the season. I think if they're healthy, if they're feeling good, they're going to want to play, they will play, they may get a well, one-day maintenance day off here and there. But, you know, with that knee, if stuff comes up, I you know, Kyrie has had stuff come up during the year, so uh, over the course of his career, and some of it's been more serious, and some of it's just been maintenance stuff. So I, I would say they'd have a couple of built-in games. I don't say they're necessarily going to be held to 70 games, but if they are situations that come up, I don't think Brad Stevens will hesitate for a second to just say, okay, if that's the case, tonight's a night off for of you. We're going to go with, with, with Terry Rozier or Marcus Morris in the starting lineup and, and, and move forward just fine with that for this one game.
1: I'll put you on the spot here because, again, I mean, it's early September. This show is year-round, happens every week. You're always writing. I feel like everything has been covered with this team. It's what happens during the off season. There are going to be rest nights. Just talked about it. Players have to sacrifice. We covered that. Seas so need to bring Hayward and Irving along slowly. Right there. Starting five. That was a conversation way back when. To me, that should be the same unit that opened last year. Shouldn't change. Now, maybe it will from yeah, night to night. That's a great
0: but... one. People say, how do you start all these guys? Yeah, the so, same oh, way
1: you did last year. You
0: had the starting lineup. Yeah. Of <laughs> course, wasn't healthy for that, but still. You already started this lineup once. Right. <laughs> and, so, hope- unfortunately, it only lasted five minutes and 15 seconds. But you did start this lineup once. Month last year
1: right and so hopefully it lasts longer than 515 this time around so what I'm going to ask you is this what has not been covered or at least not discussed enough with this group and this team what do you think
0: it's an interesting one because again it, it's hard to find holes in this team I think one of the interesting things coming into this summer one of the things I found was interesting was coming right out of the draft Danny Ainge has always been a little bit um, cagey I guess you could say mm-hmm. in terms of his You know what he says publicly, but he pretty much said after the draft, he telegraphed what the summer was going to be. They wanted to retain their own free agents. They would always kick the tires anytime a superstar, i.e. Ka- Kawhi Leonard or even LeBron James, were potentially available. But the intention was there to bring back the same team and to go for it with this team. He said at the day after Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, we want Kyrie back, we want Gordon Hayward back, and we feel this is the core to do it. And that's exactly what they did. And Brad Stevens said on Tuesday, again, free agency worked out the way they wanted. Uh, I don't think Brad Stevens wanted another huge roster overhaul like he had last year. I don't. He's not going to turn his back if the Celtics have a chance to get Kawhi Leonard for draft picks, but I think everybody was much more comfortable than some around here believe going back at it with last year's playoff roster, re-signing Marcus Smart, re-signing Aaron Baines, not a small thing, re-signing Aaron Baines, by the way.
1: No, and, not at all. Uh,
0: and then bringing back Irving and Hayward and going at it uh, with this team. I think every, there was a lot of talk, and I know that, you know, when people want to talk about Celtics, they want to talk about big picture stuff. They want to talk about Kyrie Irving. They want to talk about trades. Not always the sexiest thing to say. Mm. We're going to go. We're, we're bringing we're the back. gang bang back to do it again. That's that's not that's not necessarily going to fill four hours in the afternoon. But I think where they are right now was their intention at the end of last season. They felt coming out of that playoff run. They were really close, and now they're bringing back two all-stars, a superstar and a borderline superstar, two Team USA players. Uh, I think they feel that they can get this done, not only get to Golden State, but I feel that if you look at the depth and the versatility, you know, I think that would be a competitive series, and I believe they believe that will be a competitive series. So I don't necessarily know that that's something overlooked, but that was something that I think people – and I think Celtics fans kind of believe that but I think in the greater media it's always well what's going to happen next what's the next big move uh, the next big move is to win, win a championship this again with the, <laughs> yeah run this through again with this group and, and see if you could win a championship
1: yeah I was talking about that I can't remember if it was the last show or, or one prior to that but I do feel when you look at those two teams yes of course like the upper echelon star power team versus team that's Golden State over Boston and I don't think you could debate that but overall team definitely Depth versus depth, yes, Golden State is still superior, but depth versus depth, full roster versus full roster, you can give Boston maybe an advantage right there. doesn't mean they would win a series, but to your point, I think it would be competitive.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at that, you should say... I don't think you can make the Celtics the favorite, but not only should they make the NBA finals, and I wrote this, you know, coming out of last season and and over the summer, not only should they, especially with LeBron James, but even if LeBron James hadn't gone to the West, I think people clearly, I mean, the Celtics, you know, I know Jalen Brown got a little bit of guff for for what he said, but I mean, he was basically right. I mean, they got to game seven.
1: Yeah, Cavs barely survived him without their all-stars.
0: Yeah, he got he gave you know, he did say that LeBron James and this was kind of um, misinterpreted by some, but he did give LeBron credit for having a stranglehold on the East, but he did say, you know, we pressed them. They got us last year, but you know, we're getting back Kyrie Irving and Gordon Haywood and bringing back the team that, you know, had a lead in game seven and, and unfortunately at the end of that game you didn't have Kyrie Irving to make shots at the end of the game. I mean, to me, that was the difference in game seven. That was, they had stretched it out as far as they could, but that was the one game we needed Kyrie Irving or the combination of Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, but even Kyrie Irving you needed somebody who in that situation was going to be able to make shots in the fourth quarter. So I don't think there's any, in terms of, the potential for this team, I don't think it's getting to the NBA Finals. I think it's getting to at least Game 6 or Game 7 of the NBA Finals. And then you put yourself in a position where, depending on how teams are playing and who's healthy on each side, I would give this team a, a more than a fighting chance of being able to win that series.
1: One last break to remind you, today's episode of Celtics Beat, also brought to you by Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Every neighborhood has a heartbeat, place that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core. In Boston's historic North End, that place is is Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Boston Barber and Tattoo Company has become home to A-list Boston celebrities like Gordon Hayward, Milan Lucic, Brad Marchand, and Aaron Baines. Boston Barber and Tattoo, more than just Boston's most well-known corner barber shop, it's also a tourist attraction for the hundreds of thousands of people that visit the North End throughout the year. All right, let's get back to the show. You mentioned, obviously, the ABCD Hoop Dreams fundraiser that Brad was at at the Garden, also Doc Rivers, who you mentioned as well. Now, uh, Doc talked to the media about a, a collection of things, and one thing that he said that is unsurprising but interesting in some ways, I guess, is that if he had to have one team win one game, it'd be that 08 Celtics team. Because of their fight Not just talent But just the, the fight That they possessed Inside them What I'm wondering is What do you think It'll take for Brad Stevens Group to resemble That squad
0: I think And Doc Rivers Actually talked about it And, and we were kind of Leaning into this direction I kind of wrote uh, The story I wrote The next day about it Was it was interesting To have Doc Because I brought up The idea of The sacrifice to Brad Stevens And of course Doc Rivers was The author of the whole Mbutu mm-hmm. um, Which anybody who You know you say that To somebody who remembers The 2018 And they perk up And they all of a sudden They get a little tinker in their eye and a little twin someplace else in their body because <laughs> the people who were around that 2018 and I know you were as well that really stands out in their memory even when you meant like along the Gino you mentioned in Butu and, and everybody gets all excited but I think this team's going to need a little bit about that and when I asked kind of Doc Rivers something very similar to what I asked Brad because he was talking about the, how that team you know they they got along really well for that year he acknowledged that that didn't last and obviously it hasn't lasted um into retirement for some of those guys. And I don't know if we'll get into that, but in terms of that year, they were really willing to fight for each other and they were willing to make those type of sacrifices that we talked about earlier. And I said, you know, that's something that Brad's going to have to deal with a little bit this year in terms of guys who, you know, are you willing to make that sacrifice? And doc pointed out their defense. And he said, you know, you know, that guys are really willing to play for each other through the way that they play defense. And he kind of talked about, you know, everybody wants to win a championship, but do you want to win a championship on your terms? If you are making the shots, if you are being able to do whatever you want, or do you really want to win a championship? And he said that you can tell that the Celtics are a team that, and of course we we don't know for sure that this is going to carry over because some of these guys are a year older and everything else. And, uh, as we talked before, you know, they've been in the spotlights and now they're going to have to, some of them are going to have to take a, a half step back. But you said you can tell that this Celtics team has it by the way that they play defense together and that this is a, as hard nosed, I'm trying to get this quote right, but as hard nosed and as a competitive, a defensive team as you'll ever see. Mm. And that's how you know that it's a unit and together. So I think that, you know, really, you know, that would be the key. Again, keeping the idea that they're all, fighting together for that one bigger goal. And for Marcus Smart, that is making the plays, as as Brad Stevens said uh, the other day, that um, this seemed to be a little over the top, but he said it, so I'll repeat it. Um, you know, <laughs> when he thinks back to the season, the plays that gave him the most chills was when Marcus Smart came back against the Milwaukee Bucks after being injured with a thumb injury. Sure. And right away, he dives on the floor. You know, Marcus Smart is going to have to be that guy, Jalen Brown is going to have to be that defensive first guy you know he he had some huge games last year and he had some huge playoff games that somehow I don't think are being remembered as much as they were. And some of those big playoff games came in losses, I understand. But, you know, he had 30-point games in the playoffs. He had the game-winning shot against Utah in the regular season. He was the one who matched LeBron shot for shot uh, at the beginning of the uh, the Eastern Conference Finals when it looked like the Celtics might, you know, if they didn't have Jalen Brown in that game, they might have gotten blown off the court in the Mm -hmm. first quarter of that game and the whole series might have been different. Is he going to be able to become a defensive you know take a defensive mindset I think that's some of the biggest things you have a lot of guys with those qualities and I mentioned Jalen Brown and and Marcus Smart those are clearly guys who have alpha male qualities maybe they don't have the credentials of a Kevin Garnett obviously but they have those type of qualities it's just imagine it's just a matter of whether they can harness it and put them in the right in the right direction and not feel that okay now I have to be the star this is what I do well obviously you know that Kyrie Irving is the killer when it comes to shots. Jason Tatum uh, has shown that he, you know, can be the, the cold-blooded killer when it comes to shots. Maybe he's the number two scoring option. Gordon Hayward is there. Um, but you're going to need guys like Al Horford and Aaron Baines to continue to fill their their roles as much as possible, and guys like Jalen Brown and Marcus Martin, even Terry Rozier, and Marcus Morris to kind of do all the complementary things that is going to be necessary to, um, in the terms of the Mbutu idea, going back to that putting your individual talents together for, uh, for a greater good. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was so interesting to, to be talking to Brad and having Doc Rivers there at the same time, being able to kind of weigh in on the same things and in, in making those comparisons to that 2018, that at least for that one year, and you could argue the next year it was happening uh, before Garnett got hurt and maybe even one other year it was happening before um, it, it happened at the end and Kendrick Perkins wound up getting hurt, that team was able to kind of put that together and put any differences aside. I think that team had more differences within them than, than maybe mm-hmm. this team does. I, I, I've i never sensed with this team last year that there were any internal fractures um, or that there was that uh, you know edge among teammates that maybe existed in 08, not 08, but in 09 and 10 and 11 and moving forward, obviously, into 12 and 13. But um, I think that uh, that's going to be the key uh, to this whole team and that they they generally do
1: have the parts to be able to um coalesce around him. i was thinking about diving into some of that after 08 as you said drama that has bled into retirement but i think people are kind of exhausted by it and plus i've only got you for a few more minutes and what i want to do instead is take uh, a few twitter questions that you may have seen when people were shouting them out this first one comes from brian uh shout out from the 508 do you think the celtics missed a chance to get a three-point shooter this free agency
0: you know, I was thinking about that, and you know, there are a couple of guys who were out there, Crawford or whatever. I just think, in terms of what they necessarily want to do with their bench players, I think they were comfortable going with a defensive mindset. Maybe is that six, seven, eight guy. You know, if Marcus Smart had signed someplace else, maybe you do go with a uh, with an offensive player, a gutter off the bench, uh, um, Jamal Crawford. But I think, in terms of the defensive continuity, what they want to obviously the starting five is set. But the de- what they wanted to do with that bench unit is bring in a defensive unit that will probably always have at least Gordon Hayward or Kyrie Irving or Jason Tatum on the court at one time. But you're coming in with guys who have uh, versatility defensively. We saw that last year in terms of the Philadelphia 76ers series. Um, you know, they had a lot of three-pointers, three-point shooters off the bench, and Brad Stevens destroyed them. Uh, with defensive versatility in terms of being able to guard them with guys like you know Marcus Morris and Marcus and even Shimmy Ojole in that series, I think that's the type of bench unit that they want to have. They don't want to have just as much as is. In the past, they've shied away from that guy who only plays in the post outside of Greg Monroe. You want a guy who can play defensively and switch defensively. I think they wanted that bench unit to be more of a defensive-minded unit. Obviously, any time you can have a guy who comes off the bench and hit three-pointers, whether it be Marcus Morris or Ojale or Marcus Smart once every three and a half times that he shoots it, that's great, but I think they were thinking defensive first in terms of those 8, 9, 10, 11 roster spots.
1: Well, Chris wants to know about the starting five. I'll quickly answer that. Again, we said it, same as last year. It's going to be Irving, Hayward, Brown, and uh, Tatum and Horford. But he also wants to know about the closing five. What do you think the closing five will be? Is it that same group? Does Marcus Smart find his way in there? How do you think it plays out?
0: You know, I think that's the most interesting thing. And, and that was one of the things that came up a lot of times when, you know, there was a lot of Marcus Smart discussion at the beginning of the season. I mean, at the beginning of the off season, in terms of what's he worth. And, you know, do you pay all this money to a guy who doesn't even start? Well, he may not start games, but Brad, was, uh, Co- Brad Stevens was always very upfront about the fact that he's going to play his 30 minutes. Now this was last year, and he- going back – He's just not playing the first six minutes of the game. Um, he was always a member he's always been really a member of that closing lineup. And if he's on the court at the end of the game, it means that maybe a Jalen Brown isn't on the court at the end of the game, maybe a Jason Tatum isn't on the court at the end of the game, maybe a Gordon Hayward isn't on the court at the end of the game. I think you're going to find Marcus Smart nosing his way as, as he, anybody who's watched him knows that he, he finds a way to do. Um, he's going to be out there at the end of the game a lot more than than people expect, whether it's replacing a guy who maybe just doesn't have it that night, replacing a guy, you know, there are always injuries at the uh, course of the season. But I think you, I don't know exactly, I think it could change from night to night who he is replacing at the end of the game. It might be a difference of whether you're protecting a lead or whether you're trying to come back in a game. But I think you will see Marcus Smart out there in the final two minutes of a close game uh, far more than a lot of people uh, believe right now.
1: Last one for you here from Sconci, I think is how it's pronounced. And uh, second half of this question is fairly impossible to answer, so I'll let you worry about the first half. But the full question is, what's the likelihood Ainge packages Rozier and for whom is he traded? I
0: don't think it's – I mean, I I think if a need comes up and you're you're getting to the trade deadline and you have a chance to get a certain level of NBA star and it's going to take Terry Rozier to get him – You know, that's obviously a move that maybe you make to try to put yourself over the top, knowing that you might have a hard time signing him in restricted free agency. And Ainge, Danny has been willing to move on from guys who. They've made contract offers and it doesn't look like it's going to work out. He he wound up uh, sticking with Marcus Smart last year and it obviously worked out in the end. But in years past, you know, when when he traded Avery Bradley, he talked about the fact that they traded him. I think he called him a flight risk at the time, but uh, you know that he was coming up on a contract. They might not be able to resign him, so therefore that's why they traded him. Obviously, they did it with Kendrick Perkins way back in the day when they they didn't think they were going to be able to resign him and they felt there was a need for a, a versatile wing behind uh, Paul Pierce. They wound up getting. Jeff Green and that obviously didn't work out as well as uh, um, <laughs> they had hoped at the time kind of a, the, the ripple effect of not being able to re-sign Tony Allen which surprisingly haunted this team for years uh, which you didn't realize at the time so I think it's possible but I, I think he uh, I don't think he's going to be going out looking to trade uh, Terry Rogier. I think he he's, going to be happy to have that type of a backup point guard. And then again, if anything does happen to Kyrie, I think they believe that Terry Rozier can, even with a healthy team, can be a benefit. He can be a shot maker. He can be a guy who handles the ball, allows Kyrie Irving to play off the ball. Jalen Brown's still not really a ball handler. I know that Gordon Hayward coming back will be an additional ball handler on the court, but you know, they um, Brad Stevens played those two guys together a lot last year. He played uh, Isaiah Thomas and Terry Rozier together during that playoff run. Uh, the year before he played Isaiah Thomas off the ball a lot and really like that. So I don't think that they view Terry Rozier as a spare part, even with Kyrie Irving coming back. I I think if they can, if there were a situation where they had a need, there was a star player available that could put them over the top, then maybe, yeah, you do include him considering that given his, his contract situation. But I don't think they're necessarily going to be looking to trade Terry Rogier coming into this year.
1: Well, one of the things to watch, that's for sure, over the course of the season, obviously there's the whole Kyrie Irving insurance element. But we don't have time for that. We can do that another time. Scott Souza of the Metro West Daily News and Providence Journal. Scott, thank you very much. I appreciate it. We'll do it again when the season right. gets going.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on again. Congratulations on uh, on the podcast with uh, CLNS. Uh, obviously great guys over there. Dealt with them for a long time. And uh, uh, it's good to see you continuing to be uh, highly involved with the Celtics, and and it's also good to not have to talk to you at seven fifteen in the morning on a Saturday. I will tell you that.
1: I hope everybody feels the same way that you do. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Scott. Take care, Adam. Thanks again to Scott. Great stuff from him. As I always come to expect, I hope you enjoyed it as well. And thank you for listening. We do have to get out of here. want to tell you again, episode 279 featuring Scott Souza is brought to you by Casper. Go to Casper.com slash Celtics. Use the promo code Celtics to get $50 off select mattresses. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks also to Boston Barber. But most importantly, of course, thanks to you for checking us out, as you always do. Again, subscribe on iTunes. You can get us on Stitcher. Get me on Twitter, at Adam M. Kaufman. Pretty soon, the tweeting is going to be coming fast and furious, in-game stuff, post-game, all the different analysis that you've come to anticipate from me might get a little annoying. I hope it does, because that means things are going really, really well for the Celtics. And we will also see and hear from this guy quite a bit on the scoreboard at the Garden. Dino, get us out of here.